kids, welcome to episode 411. By the time you're hearing this, Pinball Expo will have come and gone, and I will not have been able to see what the news is at the show, but what I will give you is an interview I did with Mr. Christopher Franchi, a man who needs no introduction. This is a great this is a great talk. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I think Chris sort of lets us behind the curtain in what it's like working in the pinball industry. And you know me, I love Mr. Franchi's artwork. I think it's perfectly suited for pinball. Uh, but I also love that he's kind of just an outspoken personality that doesn't hold back. And I think you're going to enjoy what he says on this podcast. Um, so without further ado, let's just air Mr. Christopher Franchi, episode 411 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast, a guest I've been super excited to talk to and reconcile with and hear what's going on in his pinball world. Welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast, Mr. Christopher Franchi. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I want to ask the same question of you. And and, and let's get something. I, I know we want to get something just cleared out of the way initially. Do you want to take the lead on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because people are probably wondering. It's like, why are these two talking considering, you know, the past that they've had? And, uh, you know, of course, everybody knows about the, the Monsters image leak and, uh, uh, you know, just so everybody knows, uh, we, you know, we had discussed that uh, after that happened, you had, uh, uh, you know, expressed your remorse on what you had done. And I and my up my uh, quest for being uh, a better person uh, realized that, uh, you know, forgiveness is divine. Uh, people make mistakes. Lord knows I've made them myself. Um for example, I sent them to you, <laughs> so there's my mistake. <laughs> so you know, it's it's water under the bridge at this point, and uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I was fine with the discussion we had about it, and and uh, you know, so bygones be bygones. Yeah, and and I and I was wrong. I mean, I never should have shared those with people. Uh, and and you know, everyone gets excited, right, in this hobby, and you share yeah. stuff, and you get excited, but. You know, I I was totally in the wrong on that. So I'm glad we were, were able to sort of to bury that hatchet. Um, so Chris, you've been you've had an interesting year in pinball, right? And in, in trying to think about where we start this, I, I kind of I feel like tell us the news because I know you recently came out publicly and said uh, that your next pinball venture won't be with Stern Pinball. Is that is that correct? That yeah, that is correct. I've I've moved on from Stern. Um, and um, I, unfortunately, I don't know that I can say just yet where I'm, where I have moved to, and 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 it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, I am locked down to where I'm going. These, this is just one place that I'm going. I hope to uh, be at several places. Stern had an issue with, um, you know, their artists working for other companies. You know, so if you worked for Stern, you didn't work for anybody else, and if you worked for someone else, then you didn't work for Stern. And um, that, so, that's understandable, uh, no? Like, what do you think about that? As an artist, knowing that this is a community that it, there's not so many players, do, is that? Do, did you find that to be difficult? Well, I found it to be difficult when I sat on my hands for a year with no work. And 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 this is after you completed Monsters, and that's when that period began, yeah. right? 
Yeah, the uh, Monsters was for the more more or less in the can by uh, late November, and um, you know, other than a few odds and ends, I think you know I had I had tinkered with uh, the topper after that, but you know, the basic game part was done then, and then you know the release of the Monsters, of course, uh, that was uh, what the first week or first or second week of January, right? And uh, and yeah, and since then there's there's been no work now. There's been a couple of times where, uh, you know, I, I had decided I wanted to leave Stern for work. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say greener pastures because, you know, pastures are pastures. But, uh, uh, you know, just to get work in uh, that I wasn't getting. And, um, you know, I was talked to, you know, I have a, uh, someone who's very big in the industry who is my mentor. And I go to him. Uh, for questions on whether I'm, you know, being foolish or whatever, uh, he convinced me twice to stay and uh, wait it out. And I waited it out, and nothing really happened. I mean, there's some stories I could tell about, uh, uh, you know, what had happened during that time. Can you can you tell some of them on our on the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the first, I think the first thing was uh, they offered, and now I can, you know, it's probably good timing that they released their Star Wars uh, game because now I can talk about it. Um, they had first offered that job to me to, to redraw Star Wars. And uh, like anything with a big company like that, I had to do a tryout so that Lucasfilm could see my art. And so I did a drawing of Han Solo and a TIE fighter. And when I got the uh, word back, the word back was basically, it's too refined, which, you know, just basically means it's too nice. They wanted something dumbed down more, more, even more comic booky than what I did. Some of the samples that they had sent me were really crude and they didn't even look like the actors. And so I just made the call, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it down to this level because it looks like crap. Um, these were like, you know, pages of comic art from like 1978 or something. Um, so I, I kind of took the, uh, the angle that I would do more like a comic book cover, which, you know, the artwork's usually a little nicer on the cover. Uh, so again, apparently it was too refined, but rather than say, give it another go, they just shut the door. And, you know, what I was told anyway was, you know, they said, thanks, but no thanks. And, and gave Stern a list of, people that are approved artists for Lucasfilm and told them to pick out of that bunch. Okay. So that, that was the last time you sort of were working on a project for Stern. Well, you know, sort of, well, I didn't even work on it. I mean, I, you know, if you consider the artwork, the tryout. Yeah. Was that after monsters, it, Chris? Yeah, that was after monsters. That was about two months, maybe, uh, maybe you know, February, mid somewhere around mid February. We started working on that. Um, but, uh, the, the, what that, the problem that caused from what I was told by the people at Stern was that they had earmarked me to do that job. They figured I would be on that project, you know, for the next year or so, or slightly less. Um, and then they booked everything else with, you know, other artists. So when that job fell through for me, they had nothing for me. So it was basically a waiting game. So then, um, Jeez, I can't remember. It was a couple of months later, uh, I get a call, and it was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I think, and uh, 
it, I can't remember if it was George Gomez or if it was Greg Freres. One of them called me and said, hey, we've got a new job for you. Can you come in on Monday? Can you drive to the office? Because I live in Michigan, so it's a four and a half hour drive. So I said, yeah, no problem. I started making plans to do that. And then I got a call back the very next day and they said, never mind. The, the perimeters on the, uh, on the license have changed and we no longer need you. So, you know, there's strike two. Right. <laughs> do you normally have to drive four hours to hear about an opportunity? Can't they just use modern communication methods? It- yeah, they, they, they usually wouldn't call me in just to say, hey, we want you to work on, you know, Smurfs. Um, they would call me in when they had, you know, a Whitewood, when they had plans. And, you know, I could sit I down like when, when I came in for the Munsters, you know, they already had a Whitewood or it was mostly finished. Uh, Dwight had an idea of what he wanted for code and we could sit there and we were scribbling on a on a blueprint of the play field and I was making notes that I could take home with me. Um, I'm assuming that's where they were with this job because I don't think they would have me drive all the way down there and say, you're working on Smurfs. All right, we'll see you, you know, <laughs> right. we'll email you tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how does a job get that deep and then, you know, the situation changes. I really have no idea, but, uh, that's what I was told whether, whether that's factual or not, you know, what actually happened. Right. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't know, but, uh, you know, at this point around mid June or so, like I was getting extremely frustrated and, you know, again, the rumor was spreading that I wanted to leave cause I did. And, uh, again, I was convinced, um, this time by, by, uh, George Gomez, you know, I basically sent a, an email to, to George and to Greg, um, and to Steven in the art department and just said, you know, Hey, you know, past three years have been great. Uh, you know, but I'm going to be moving on blah, blah, blah. It was nice work with you. And, um, I got a message back from George that, uh, paraphrasing basically said, you know, sit tight. Um, you know, I want to use you and, uh, you know, pay no attention to what anybody else says or anything else. Uh, you know, we'll get you some work. And, uh, so sat for another, you know, what June, June, July, August, up to another four months, right? You know, with nothing, right? And so, you know, now, now that's that's basically the story behind the lack of work. There were other situations that I don't want to get too heavy into. You know, I mean, I can give some examples, but I don't want to get too heavy, you because know, it's you know, I I just want to be very clear that, uh, you know, discussing this isn't sour grapes. Um, I think we, you know, at the time that I departed, it was sort of a, a mutual thing. Um, so, you know, it, it's not, you know, this isn't a case where, uh, it was just me and I'm angry with them and, uh, you know, et cetera. It was just, uh, you know, I decided to move on. They decided that, uh, that would probably be a good idea right? Uh, as well. Um, so, you know, there are, there are stories that I can tell, uh, just to give you examples yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear some of the stories, Chris, and, you know, and then I'd love to just ask you some questions about, you know, what the journey's been like, because I know it's been a an interesting journey for you. But by all means, I mean, I, I just love to hear these stories because we don't often get uh, to hear what goes on behind the scenes of, of putting, you know, a pinball right. art package together. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to say the journey, you know, it, it has it has been a, 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 you know, three year journey or so I got called in what mid mid uh, 2016 
So yeah, just a little over three years. And sadly, it hasn't been all that pleasant, to tell you the truth. Um, it, it's been great to become part of this community um, and be a part of pinball and to have a pinball machine in your house that, you know, I mean, I've got four of them that, you know, I can say, look, I drew that. Uh, you know, that part's fantastic. The uh, The relationship with Stern has not been fantastic over the years. Uh, shortly after Batman was released, everything was great. Uh, but we started having disagreements right out right out of the shoot. Um, what what were some of those disagreements? Because Batman, you came in at the eleventh hour and, and really pulled a rabbit out of a hat. I think everyone uh, who loves their Batman sixty six and 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 I say that Chris as I look at this beautiful work of art in my bedroom, uh, I have an SLE. From that point on, what what started to be some of the issues or the tension points that that you experienced? Well, the, the tension points seem to be with uh, with me and Gary in particular. Um, he, he, you know, they would, someone would ask me to be a guest at an expo, and rather than show up, you know, with a, a table full of markers and a smile, I would make some prints of, you know, if, if it was Batman, you know, I would put, you know, put put together some sort of special print with the Batman artwork. Um, you know, and offer that as something you could get to get signed because, you know, people aren't, you know, if they don't know I'm going to be there, maybe they didn't bring their translate, you know, I'm sure not everybody's got their, you know, Batman 66 in their trunk, you know, can you come out and sign my game? So it's always good to have something to offer. You know, I've done this before in different situations, you know, I used to work for Kiss and so they would have me out at Kiss Expos and, you know, again, it was always good to have something to sign. Um, so, uh, I would make these prints and, and then somebody from Stern would walk by my table and then call up Gary and go, he's got Batman prints on his table. And Gary would freak out. You're like, you don't have a license for that. You can't do that. Uh, you know, it's our job to report you if you do do that. And what most people don't know is that there's this sort of unwritten rule because I've been in the industry for a long time. I know this. There's sort of an unwritten rule that if you're an artist and you've designed something, people just kind of tend to look the other way. As long as you keep it cool, you keep your numbers low, uh, you know, you don't go. It's not like I'm on the home shopping network at two in the morning going, here's my fantastic new Batman limited edition print of 10,000. You know, you know, if if you're if you're low key and you're keeping it cool and you're just doing something that, you know, so that people can get signed. You know, you're not looking to get rich or anything like that. It, it's it's overlooked. It's overlooked at comic conventions on a weekly basis. You know, somebody who who does artwork for Marvel might have a table right across the hall from Marvel's booth itself, and people from Marvel will walk out and go, "Hey, I Chuck." Then I'll walk over to the table and go, "Hey, wait a minute. This is our uh, these are our characters here. You can't do this." That you know, it's always overlooked. Um, I mean, when it comes to the bottom line. Yes, it's not licensed. It's unofficial, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but again, it's always overlooked, even by those people, the people who count. You know, Warner Brothers isn't going to call me up and go, "Hey, you made you know thirty prints of a you know that's it. You know, you're going to jail." Um, but Gary could never understand that, and I, I didn't expect him to understand it. But I did. You know, after I explained it, you know, seventy times, I expected him to you know eventually come around. But uh, but he didn't. So we constantly locked horns about what I was offering at an expo. And that was sort of a major, you know, sticking point. Um, you know, and 
you know, what can you do? How many, how many times can you explain that? It just, it, it doesn't go anywhere. I saw that. I think it was at TPF. I think you brought, was it TPF where you had the Beatles artwork and it seemed like the other Stern people were getting upset and and you seemed visibly upset that they were upset and, and, and I removed it off the table. Right. And it was <laughs> yeah. like an awkward moment because there you are, you know, you've made, and I think people would agree some of the nicest art packages that people have ever seen on a pinball machine. And you know me, I don't blow smoke up people's butts. I mean, I think your art style is also perfectly suited for pinball. Um, so it was always like sort of hard to see you who people love and Stern who people also love have these moments in which, you know, it's like you don't know, you know, you don't know which side to side with. And it seemed like it could have gone a better way. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was I, I, I had never had anything against Stern. Um, you know, I, I was I was never really thrilled with with the. Uh, the way I was treated there, it's kind of hard to explain, uh, but I didn't hold any grudges because of that. So, so why those things couldn't be worked out, I don't know. But, you know, but you, in my tenure working three years at Stern, it seemed I never broke the ice with, uh, or I broke the ice with very few people there, but, you know, for the most part, got a, got a cold shoulder, you know, to tell you the truth, Greg Freres is either a man with very little personality or just an extreme distaste for me because he would never joke around. Um, he was always, you know, I would send an email that had something funny and he would send back, you know, we need you to change this, you know, and would completely avoid whatever humor right. I was trying to and send his way. is this from way. the very beginning, like, of the relationship, even after Batman? Or is this like, um, do you think there was well, a Bat little... Batman happened so fast that it's, it's hard to really kind of remember... You know, like what was happening, you know, how were we establishing relationships at that time? You know, I was, I, you know, none of us, I think, were in that mindset. It was just, you know, we've got a job to get done and we got to get it done. So I wasn't concerning myself with, you know, did he laugh at my joke or anything like that? It was just like, all right, what's next? What's next? You know, because that job kind of unfolded on me as it went along. They never called me up and said, we need you to do three art packages, uh, you know, and artwork for the play field and all that. You know, they originally called me just to do the uh the drawings of the gadgets and then greg kept saying geez i wish you know we could get you to do at least one back glass and i said send me the template i'll have one for you by the morning he's like you can do that and i said yeah i said i've already got artwork done that i can use you know so it's just a matter of placing it um right. you know and then filling in the gaps so i did that he's like wow great can you do another one you know and it just unfolded like that can you do another one can you do a cabinet can you do another cabinet <laughs> did you did so, you ever see chris the initial the original design they had for batman like was it just photoshopped art on there i saw a what i believe was a backlash design and it was yeah it was photoshopped with um some elements um you know, so some art elements, like, you know, I think they had like a bad signal shining up in the sky, but I, I remember it being very sparse. Right. Like there were some characters kind of going through the middle, but there was like a whole lot of purple background, a lot of wasted space. Um, I, I know, I don't know who did it, but I know that they weren't pinball people. It was, it was, you know, nobody that, you know, of a name that you heard of. I'm Kevin O'Connor did the play field, but, um, he, right. He obviously did not do. I'm familiar with Kevin's work, and the the stuff I saw was not Kevin's work. It was nowhere close. Right. Um. So, um. 
Yeah, that's why they were unhappy with it. I think it might have been casino people, you know, gaming slot machine artists. Right, right. Chris, so um, you've done, just so the listener knows, you, you went Batman 66, then it was Guardians of the Galaxy, then yeah. it was Beatles, and then Monsters, right? I have that order correct? Yep. Okay. Out of the four, I'm just curious, can you pick a favorite of your children within the Stern Pinball family, or do you favorite, love them all well, equally? Um... I do. I can say the one I like the least is Guardians, because um, uh, uh, you know, and it's not that I'm you know ashamed of what I've done. I like the artwork, but um, Batman, you know, that holds a dear, dear place in my heart. You know, Batman always will. You know, it, it, is it the best art package I could have come up with? Probably not, but I didn't have any time. Right. Um, but because Batman is so important in my life you know such a big thing oh, i collect tv show batman stuff you know the tv show in particular that you know that's my jam so getting that job was awesome but um so that will always be up there um the beatles i love just from the retro aspect it was fun to do something you know kitschy and 60s like right and uh the monsters i feel was my my best work um you know as far as you know designing uh, you know, the play field, you know, maxing it out, you know, giving you the yeah. biggest bang for your buck and, and, and really working hard on the artwork to make it look good because the source material was awful. Right. And so, it looks phenomenal. You know, and I think people would say that when you look at monsters, even when as I look at Batman, you know, there's like there's like the blank areas, but there's no areas without detail in monsters and it looks phenomenal. Now let me let me ask you, was was the plan initially to have the limited edition black and white? Um, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sworn to secrecy on that. <laughs> right. Cause it just seems like, well, to, okay. Let me ask it a different way. You, initially they released it, the premium as the black and white, the LE was full color. And then yeah. were you happy when you saw that they then added the color to the premium or do you wish they would have kept them sort of, you know, exclusive to the LE? Yeah, it, it didn't happen that way, actually. I, I designed all three of them in color. And then at sort of zero hour, they said, we're going to make the premium black and white. And um, it, it just so happens that the premium, like I learned a big lesson with Guardians because I thought, you know, let's put the best art package on the pro because that's going to be seen the most. I should have made my decision on you know, who's paying for what. And if you're paying more for a premium, you should get for your money. That should have been my mindset, but it was more, Hey, you know, because of, you know, these games going out on route and all that, you know, people are going to see the pro more. So let's give that the best artwork wrong choice. Right. So when I was working on the monsters, I'm like, I really put a lot into the premium. You know, as you know, the limited edition was very unique uh, you know, the casket thing. So that was kind of a thing all its own. But between the pro and the premium, I really wanted to make the premium artwork shine. Right. And when Greg came to me and said, well, we're going to do this in black and white. I'm like, we can't, we, I can't, no, I can't kill this art. Like, let's switch the packages back and forth. So let's move the premium, leave the color intact and put that on the pro move the pro artwork over to the premium and then take the color out of it. Right. So that's what I did. And that's, you know, you know, I spent days 
doing that because you can't just, I mean, you, you can flatten the art and then just hit one button that converts it to black and white, but it doesn't make it ideal. Like, you know, all the reds will come out really dark, almost like a black, the yellows come out, you know, more mid range rather than a brighter white color. So I literally had to go through like 600, five or 600 layers one at a time. And then you hit, you know, you hit a setting and then you can, for each color, you know, it has a value, a gray, you know, black to white uh, value. And so you can go yellow, you know, where do I want this to hit? And you hit, you know, you drag a slider back and forth and you go right about there. Reds, right about there. So you got to dial it all in and then hit OK, then move to the next layer. So you can imagine with like, you know, five, six hundred layers, that's going to take a long time to do. Right. But I didn't, you know, I wanted it to look as good as it could. So, um, so that's how that basically. Happened. Right. It, it looks great. It looks great. And I think you were telling me one time there was a, a, a desire to try to get actual coffin handles onto the LE. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I originally designed it was, you know, the, the, uh, the handles on the cabinet were actually casket handles. I found them for cheap too. It's a surprise, like 12 bucks for a set of four. I'm like, get out of here, really? And they were like, you know, metal and everything. Right. <laughs> There's actually a website. And, and I, <laughs> believe it or not, it's something as easy as like caskethandles.com. It's really that, you know, obvious. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, it, you know, it was an expense issue. I just said, hey, you know, I can get these for 12 bucks for a set of four. Um, there might be a set of two, so 24 bucks for a set of four, but still. Um, and the concern was that people might actually try to pick up the game yeah george said you know yeah george said people are going to have a couple of beers and they're going to try and move this thing by the handles and it's going to crack the cabinet and i couldn't argue with that you know it's you know i mean you could put metal you know plates behind it to help secure it or whatever you could try that but you know for a simple aesthetic you know is it really worth it? You know, are people right. like piling in, in between pinball machines to watch and they hit their knee on the handle, you know, right, right. Uh, it, it, it was just a bigger liability than it was worth. I'm, I'm like, I'll just draw them on there. You know, it's unfortunate, but you so, know, we even tinkered with the idea or I tinkered with the idea of, of uh, selling like sort of a vinyl patch where you could put it over your cabinet. It would cover up the handles and then you could put actual handles in there if you wanted but then there would always be that seam, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't have a decal that covered the entire side, there would always be a seam. And if someone's not real crafty with the vinyl and they don't line it up just right, it's going to look like crap. And so it's just best to abandon it. Chris, let me ask you a question. Because as you know, you, you, you did a killer R package with Monsters. How sensitive are you to when a game finally ships and like people are like, I love it. And then, you know, maybe people have issues with the shots or the code, do you ever feel like that? Does that get to you? Cause we know that people have had like ups and downs with reviews of the monsters code and people want more monsters in it. Like, how do you feel like uh, when a game gets reviewed? Like, how do you take it? I kind of, I, I kind of feel, well, it, you know, it's tough. You know, you got to have thick skin. Not everybody's going to like it. E- you know, even beyond the code, which is like, you know, the artwork for, uh, you know, for example, with the monsters, you know, there were there were you know a handful. There were a couple of people that were giving me heat for uh, doing an illustration of the monsters that was based on some statues, some maquettes. You know, of course, what they don't know is that the guy that made those maquettes is a friend of mine, 
and I saw I saw those. I, I knew that they existed prior to even working on the monsters. And as soon as I got the job, I called them up and I said, you know, with with your statues, you created the perf- perfect family portrait, and I'd love to draw this just how it is. You know, I made some different, you know, made different expressions on the faces and all of that sort of thing. But for the most part, I I use that. And, and, you know, people are like, oh, he just stole this from statues. And it's like, right. no, they're <laughs> a little bit more winning with just stealing. You know, I would not call it that. Number one, I got permission. Uh, and number two, it was it was intentional. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, people like, you know, if, if you compare me to Zombie Yeti, we're, we're two different types of people. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of an illustrator. He's more of a creator. Um, you know, he'll, he'll sit down and he'll just start drawing things. Uh, whereas I base my stuff on, you know, in reality, you know, it's like I use photo references, things like that. Um, you know, a lot of people who do the style of work that I do, do do it that way. They'll have a model come in and, you know, here, put this on and pose like this. And then they, they use that for lighting references or whatever. Um, so, um, you know, so that part was tough, you know, cause you don't want to come out and start defending yourself because then as soon as you do that, then they jump all over you. Yeah. But, they um, smell blood They're And especially on, yeah. on forums, they love some yeah. blood. Yeah. But it was tough, you know, because I considered myself like the, the artist for the redheaded stepchild games. Like Batman came out and everybody hated it because of the, well, at first because of the price, and then, you know, when it became obvious that the code was very young, they crapped all over it. So then I come out with Guardians and what happens with that? Same thing. The code stings, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody's Oobly pissed, boobly. you know. <laughs> yeah, at this point, bobbly bobo, yeah. At this point, you know, I had to make fun of that to, to make myself feel better. I made little pins that has that character and it says bobbly bobo and I was passing them out at Expo. <clears throat> um, and I still have some if you want one. <laughs> Send them my but, way. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just sad. It was like, you know, God, you know, you want to feel good about this. And, like, the game comes out. You can't wait for the game to come out uh, and for everyone to see what you've been doing for a year. And then it comes out and everyone goes, yeah, this sucks. And, uh, you know, and when it's something that's out of your control, when, you know, like the code sucks. Well, I didn't do the code, you know, so it's not on me. Um, so, and then, you know, a, a whole different beast comes out when the Beatles comes out. Everybody craps on that strip, strictly because of the price. So now I'm my third game in, and I'm like, you know, can I win at all here? Can I have a game release where everyone just celebrates it as being something awesome? Right. That would be great to just experience that once. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of did with Monsters. You know, Monsters had a lot of hype leading up to it. When it came out, you know, there was, there was, you know, when it right when it first came out, there there was no, you know, the hype didn't live up to it. You know, I think everybody really liked it. Um, they really liked the art and everything, but as the, as the code slowly got exposed for being very shallow, then all the dumping on that game started. And of course we all know where it is now, like, you know, tucked back in the closet somewhere. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, Chris, I don't even know if it's, you know, just, you, you know, that's just what happens to you. I'm trying to think of a game that's come out recently from, let's just take Stern that, that was applauded from day one and didn't get criticized. I mean, well, they all get criticized, but to, you know, to a certain extent, like I think you can call, you know, you can call Jurassic park, uh, you know, a victory. Yeah. I think, you know, look, Elwin, Elwin has a fan base. Elwin has a fan base. And I think it's deservedly so not to take anything away from Keith, um, that basically he's going to have a cheering section with, with every new game. 
uh, because he he designs the games to be different from the typical fan layouts that we see in a lot of games. Um, well, not okay. only that, he's also uh, he's you know you'd consider him a fan who made it. Like you know he's yeah. one of yeah. he's one of the you know he's for the people by the people you know sort of absolutely. Guy. And he will code a game to appease the people who are the biggest critics, who are the tournament players, and he's one of them. And it, and it, so it's it, yeah. he, he finds you know the perfect marriage for them with the game. Um, so right now, because you've also done something that has really sparked a lot of conversation, and that that has been. You've shared some pinball theme mock-ups that you thought yeah. would be great, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So I just saw Wonder Woman. I believe it was yesterday that looked incredible. We saw Superman. Is it seventy-eight? Yeah, and Beetlejuice. Christopher Reeve. Yeah. So talk to me about the yeah. period in which these came about. Um, well, these were projects that uh, I had been working on over the past year and a half for. Uh, Kapow for George or for Joe Kamenko. Right. Um, the, the Beatles and I'm sorry, not the Beatles. Uh, Beetlejuice, some sort of Beetle thing. Uh, Beetle Beetlejuice and Superman were kind of hand in hand at the same time. Um, Beetlejuice was something I suggested, and he had you know he had he was familiar with the license because of you know, his gaming background. You know, Joe's like the man when it comes to licensing; he can get anything. Um, and then he, uh, you know, he had just done some sort of a charity event where, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve family was involved and he's like, Hey, let's do a Christopher Reeve, you know, pinball. Of course, whatever Joe does, it doesn't automatically get done. It has to be brought to someone, you know, usually in the first case. Uh, Stern, because like the Beatles started at Stern, Stern passed, and then it kind of went around and then Stern changed their mind. But, um, it always starts out at Stern because Joe and, and Gary are good friends. So um, he would basically go there and, and pitch these ideas. And both of them, you know, at the same time, basically, he brought them in, Beetlejuice and Superman, both of them got shot down. Um, what, what I was told was uh, they were presented to the teams and nobody was interested in doing them. And because you don't want someone to spend a year with something that they don't like, because you don't, you know, they don't feel you'll get a good game. Uh, they just passed on it, though. You know, I was told by one designer in particular that he was never even asked about either one of them. I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But <laughs> they're like, why would we do these two titles when we can make Black Knight Sword of Rage? That'll sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the joke since has become, you know, if it doesn't have muscles, motor, uh, you know. Uh, uh, sports cars, superheroes, or, you know, somebody with a big gun, then they're not interested. You know, it's got to be all this macho stuff. But, uh, yeah, and so Superman's who knows, whatever. You know, that, right, that was actually a big, um, a, a big prop, you know, a big wedge that ended up, uh, you know, driving myself and, and Stern apart as well. Because Gary got really... I guess they were getting a lot of backlash because of that. Now, you know, when I posted that artwork, it was like, you know, you know, trying to be good to the community, you know, like, Hey, look, you know, this is neat. Cause you know, at the time, well now it seems like there's a new pinball machine every week, but you know, a year ago, um, you know, there, you know, news was few and far between. So it was like, you know, Hey, look at this. Here's something cool. Here's something you'll never see. Here's artwork for a pinball machine that's not getting made. Um, and even George Gomez comment, you know, people were complaining, you know, on my post, you know, why isn't this being made? 
George came in and made a comment about, you know, explaining basically if no one's interested, then why make it? Um, you know, and they were getting beat up pretty bad. So I, I took that post down and I reposted it with George's comment as part of my, you know, photo comment um, and backed it up and said, you know, yeah, you guys aren't going to want a game that someone wasn't behind, you know. So I backed up what George said. Um, you know, trying to be as PC as possible again, just in the interest of giving people something interesting to look at. And I guess people were just going to Stern and going like, well, you know, especially, I guess, especially with Beetlejuice, you know, like, why didn't you make this? That would have been great. So Gary took the viewpoint that I did this to make him look bad. Right. Sabotaging their desire to give the fans what they want. Yeah, so you know that's what initiated the the emails to to George and and to um, Greg and that was that you know I get a I get a text message from uh, from Joe Camico. He says, "Well, you're done at Stern," and I'm like, "What? Wait, what? What happened?" He's like, "Oh, Gary's pissed because you made him look dumb." I'm like, "How did I make him look dumb? What did I do?" And he talked about this, and I'm like, "Are you kidding?" I'm like, "Okay, well, whatever," you know. And that's when I sent the email saying, "You know, it's been nice working with you," and I got the email back, you know, "Just sit tight, don't worry about it." So, <clears throat> is there like is there a division within Stern between George Gomez, who knows what he needs to make the best games, and Gary, who seems to be more of the financial driver and easily upsetable CEO of the company, or like, what? How's what's the dynamic between those two? <laughs> I, I would say that, well, the dynamic between those two, I think is kind of exactly how you explained it. You know, George is the reality guy who's got to get stuff done. And Gary's the guy who says, you know, do, do we really need this? It costs $20, you know? Um, so George tries to keep everybody's vision alive as far as the designers go and keep the, you know, the fans and the buyers happy, but while still trying to address Gary's concerns. So I kind of look at, at George, I've always looked at him as sort of a referee, like he should wear a black and white striped shirt <laughs> to right. work every day and stand between Gary and the pinball designers, <laughs> call fouls, call penalty, you know, whenever whenever necessary. Uh, you know, so he kind of holds everything together. Yeah, because the question I have is, and I think a lot of the designers and passionate people at Stern sometimes get criticized for, for cutting corners, but it seems like the more I hear from designers and from artists like yourself and people – they all want to put the most they can into these games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the monsters got got uh, stripped down. I, I remember a day dealing with uh, poor Mr. Borg uh, where he was really frustrated about having to take something out. And uh, he was basically kind of going through the game and just pulling everything out. Like, screw it, you know, it's, it's just going to be like a couple of crumbs laying in there and a pinball bouncing around. Um, and, and I kind of calmed him down. I didn't quite, it sounded kind of cool, but I didn't quite get it through the phone conversation because he was kind of heated up and, you know, and he's speaking like I know engineering. And I'm just like, what? Right. <laughs> so it sounded kind of neat and had something to do with a multi ball and a clock and something, but I don't really remember. But, right, um, right. yeah, I had to calm him down. Like I had to talk him back into leaving the car in the, the Dragula that, you know, the little hot wheels car that's mounted in there. He took it out and threw it across the room. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, John, come on. How much is that? It's like a two or $3 car. Come on, put it back in. You know, it adds a little something, you know, right. 
toy. You know, I'm granted you didn't go get it sculpted. It's not an original toy, but you know, you got the hermit in there. Like, it's just, it's just a car. Put it, you know, calm down. Put it back in. <laughs> I love it. I would love to be a fly on the wall when a designer just loses it at Stern and just starts like <laughs> yanking everything out of the game. Be like, screw it. And then, you know, you know, what's funny is like they did make that game where someone yanked everything out. It's called Black Knight: Sword of Rage. Get it now. Bye bye bye. I thought for sure you were going to say Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, clearly something was supposed to go where the TIE fighter and the spring was and where that screen was because th- those just look like, let's just tack on something where something more should have been. But I won't yeah. even go down that road with Star Wars. I think I still think it's the biggest mechanical miss to the biggest franchise in the history of pinball, really. I, I, don't, I don't think that was a... That was not a match made in heaven. I don't think that was something to give to to Steve. Steve's a great designer, but he doesn't concern himself with as much. With, from what I see, you know, it's and, and it's not an insult. I'm just saying he doesn't seem to concern himself with the aesthetics as much as he does the 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 gameplay. You know, and how well everything shoots in the flow, and you know all the stuff that we know Steve for. Um, but Star Wars was definitely one of those things where the world under glass, as you say, you know, was really important. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, well, styles, styles make games, right? And it's, it's interesting how they put certain players on the field for certain titles. And sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. Uh, ultimately it always seems like Gary's just like, let's just keep the line moving and whoever's got time, put them on it. And it's like, there might be some, I don't know how they, you know, draw straws to see who gets what, but, um, it's interesting. So Chris, let me, let me ask you a question. So you're at this period and then, you know, you shared some beautiful Willy Wonka artwork and some beautiful Elvira artwork as well. Uh, do you yeah. ever look at a game like Willy Wonka and you're, and you're just like, oh, like I wish, I wish I just. Well, that <laughs> that was my way of telling Jersey Jack, you dialed the wrong number. Because <laughs> right. when they came out, I'm just like, I'll just put this artwork out. Um, yeah, that stuff that I had done was for, uh, for Zynga for a social media game. Um, and I would have loved to have done Willy Wonka. That's, you know, that's one of, you know, like you, that's one of my childhood staples. And, uh, you know, I just love Gene Wilder, especially in that role, you know, like he's great in young Frankenstein and other things, but like, that's like the role that just seems like it was made for him. And I would have really enjoyed to do that, but, um, do you like the final execution of Wonka? I know you're a big fan. No. Are you, wait, were you talking about the artwork or well, the game? No, just the game. Um, the game, yeah, I had fun. See, I don't I don't pay attention to code as much. It's not as important to me. You know, I like seeing the ball do fun things and interesting shots and all that. And I, I think it has all of that. I, I had a really good time playing it. Um, you know, but I'm not like a tournament player. I'm not like a serious player. You know, my house is full of toys. You know, it's like that, that, you know, the visual thing is where I get a kick out of it. You know, and I even have, you know, my, I suck at pinball so bad that I can't even look up at the screen or I'll drain, you know? <laughs> so right, right. whatever's going on on the screen doesn't even matter to me. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Chris, let me ask you a question. Cause I, I know that, I mean, you're very passionate and you're an artist and you're very outspoken and sometimes you're creating art and people take offense to it. And let's talk a little bit about that because I, I, and, and and I think we live in a world now in which we talk about this sort of offline or online, but off the record, it's, we're, we're in a one and done culture where people, you put up something, they find it offensive and then they come after you. Uh, right. And I know that there was an incident with the fantastic art 
I know there's was it a Bo and Karen's incident as well where he, so yeah let's yeah. let's talk about some um, of that because how do you like sometimes I feel like the people in this hobby like they there's like this pressure to just always lean a certain way and you can never do anything another way and then yeah, I look at Elvira which it's like yeah. complete you know she's selling sex appeal and no one's raising any pitchforks and people are even yeah. saying like she's the leader of the feminist movement so why do you think this gets caught up into all the pinball stuff uh, I, you know, it's just people in general, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a, you know, a big topic that you can't just graze over. So I'll, you know, I'll, let me start with, you know, something really basic and that is, um, number one, people have the right to be offended. Um, you know, the, the, the people who are offended by my pintastic art, you know, I don't, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't take away their, their right to be, to, to be offended. Uh, what I was trying to say to them. At first, kindly, and then when it escalated, and I was getting called names. You know, I lost my cool a bit. But what I was trying to say to them is like, you know, you have the right to be offended and not like it. But just, you know, the world doesn't change because of your viewpoint. I'm not going to change my art because out of ten people, one person said that offends me. Right. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just not. You know, because I've got nine other people that that like it. So, but to to preface all of this, you know, people have to remember one thing, and that's I'm 53 years old. I'm old school, and as much as I try to, to, you know, get by in this world that that I live in today, it's a lot different than what I grew up in, and you know, and, and as far as what I'm referring to is, um, you know, the sensitivity to things like that. So you know, like people said that the artwork was sexist and all of that. Um, you know, uh, you know, it is what I know. That's you know, I wasn't set out. You know, I didn't set out to to be sexist or to offend anyone. It's just what I know. I grew up with pinball looking like that. And when I couldn't, you know, what most pe people don't really know the, the story behind that art. And that was that I couldn't do, you know, I, I can't use Batman and guardians and, you know, like when they have these old school artists come in, they've got a whole body of work that they've done in the past. That's, you know, generic titles, you know, fathom or, you know, whatever. Uh, and they can put all these characters into a cool t-shirt design, and be good to go. But when I came in, it was like, okay, you know, well, what's going to, you know, what kind of design is going to say something about you? And I'm like, well, I can't use anything that I've done. No Beatles, no monsters, no anything. So I'm like, well, I'll just draw something that appeals to me, you know? And so that's what more can I say about me other than something that I would, you know, enjoy doing. So I'm like, I want to do something based on sort of old, you know, fifties pinup art. Uh, old sci-fi, cheesy horror movies, you know, all this kind of stuff that I really like, and let's wrap it all into one design that looks really fun. And, um, you know, I, I think a circular cut in the jacket was not a big deal because the rest of her body was completely covered. I think a lot of people had a problem with the expression on her face because they said, you know, it looked like she was getting her butt kicked. And I'm like, well, no, that's the expression on the face of about – 85, 90% of the pinup art that you see back then, you know, like some, you know, girls in their backyard watering her flowers and, you know, her little puppies tugging on her dress. And she's like looking at the camera going, Oh my, you know, that's the expression. So, um, you know, and then they said, well, the woman wasn't empowered because she wasn't winning the battle. And I'm like, well, but I didn't grow up with that. I didn't grow up with, you know, muscular women, you know, Ronda Rossi chicks beating the crap out of stuff. I, I grew up in a different period where the movie posters 
which I love, and not because they're sexist or anything. We're like a creature from the Black Lagoon carrying a girl, you know, in a bathing suit in his arms because he fell in love with her because they swam together in, you know, the lagoon. Uh, you know, so it, it's it, it came from a very you know, innocent place of just, you know, things that I enjoy. And then it's got turned around. And what happens is when, when you, you know, mean something very well and it gets taken the complete opposite way, and then you don't get, you know, people don't come to you and go, uh, you know, I understand what you did and all that, you know, just know that, you know, I was a little offended by this, you know, no, they come at you and go, you're a sexist, a hole, you know, you piece of crap, you know, I'm, I'm editing out the swear words here. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, and, and when I get attacked, it's just like, I, you know, I have a hard time going, well, well, I'm sorry. You know, it's just like, Hey, well, F you, you know, <laughs> you punch back. It, you know, it's, I was, it's, yeah. it's funny you say like, I'm 53, I'm, I'm 43 and I grew up 10 years after you were born. No, before you were born. Uh, Wait, no, after. Uh, so after. what's funny is Brendan and I were watching Top Gun uh, this weekend, and they're, they're explaining how, like, the best pilots get their name put on this plaque. And then one of them makes a joke and says, the plaque for runners-up is in the ladies' room. And I, and I turn to Brendan, and I'm like, you know what? They wouldn't be able to say that today. I think the yeah. context of this stuff is just super important about it's a right. shirt for a pinball show. Is anyone really going to yeah, exactly. find this offensive? Well, you know, the the one thing people have to think is that when you're programmed to hear anything like that, like you said, the, you know, the plaques in the ladies room, um, certain people hear that and it just sets off a trigger. Um, but you know, that stuff is founded. It, it's, it's founded, you know, in of, of course, of, you know, uh, a past where people didn't see the same, uh, thing, but th- there's, there's stuff that still goes true today. Like, you know, you open up the door for your girl. You know, if someone, if someone came at you, you know, you're out with Brenda and, you know, you're going out to dinner, uh, you're walking from the car to the restaurant and somebody comes at you with a knife. What do you do? You stand between your wife and the guy with the gun or the, the knife or whatever, right? You know, that, yeah, that's how big just, the knife is. I might just, well, <laughs> we both might just but you run know, away. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's yeah, yeah, human yeah, no, nature. It. It, it's human nature to kind of protect your woman and, and. In, you know, so that in a sense, you know, for older folks like us, you know, gives them, a, um, you know, and not a negative way, but a, a slight sense of frailty where that, you know, the guy's the, the macho guy and the girls, you know, so when you say, oh, the plaques in the girls room, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't mean girls suck. It just means you're not a tough guy. You right, know, right. you're a girl who needs the door open for you or whatever, you know. You know what so, we never but, get, though, is we never get the other side. I mean, I love hearing women talk about men. Have you ever heard, like, a group of, of women talk about men? I mean, it is just the same as how yeah. we are, just opposite. I mean, it, it's it's just never represented as much. Well, let's let's move on because I know we go down this topic. Wait, wait, wait. Pe- yeah. can't move on. I got I to gotta say one thing about that. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever noticed whenever women are talking about men and they say, well, my husband said, they always use this dumb caveman voice. Well, I'm not going to go do that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, do all men talk like that? Right, really? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, well, it was like the Gillette ad. Like they just got it wrong. Like they had the right sentiment, but then they showed men as like just knuckle dragging Neanderthals who are, it's like, there's that scene where the guy just goes to bolt after this woman when he's like out and like guys don't like just start chasing people down like do they like i don't know. anyway so let's talk about what's next for christopher franchi and pinball so i know you can't say like where you're applying your efforts i guess the question i would ask is when is the earliest we might see your efforts back in the pinball world 
Well, the earliest you're going to see my efforts is at Expo, and that's pretty early, but not in the way you'd think. <laughs> right. Um, so you're helping out with some. I, I I know what it is, but I'm not going to say. So people will see that. Also, this show, and we can talk after this, but it's supposed to. Well, I'm not even going to ask how you found out how you know. Like you're amazing. <laughs> well, no, but we've rebuilt our trust, and this is part of that. It's like it's it's not going to. It's. I think people are going to really appreciate it. It's going to be great. Um, and then do you hope to get back onto a full machine soon? Well, yeah, the plan is for, for the company, I can't say anything yet because I haven't cleared it with them, but for the, the company I'm working for, what I, I just did um, a topper for a game. I'll say that much. Uh, and it's going to be revealed at Expo. Um, right, I think right around that time, probably at Expo, we're going to sit down and discuss uh, a game that they want me for, uh, they're just buttoning up the uh, the details on the license, so they don't. Uh, as it was told to me, they don't want to jinx it by saying anything ahead of time. So I honestly don't know what it is. But they said, you know, because of my age, it'll be right in my wheelhouse. Well, that really doesn't narrow it down. But um, you know, I'm like, give me a hint. Is it a TV show? Is it a movie? <laughs> so something sounds like something nostalgic, cool. <laughs> pop culture, something cool. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I mean. We hear this all the time, and I bring it up on the show all the time, like dream themes. Do you think that? And and I I felt like recently in pinball, I don't I don't feel like they're tapping as many of the dream themes that are out there. I know there's obviously licensing challenges that not everyone's aware of. Now, how do you feel about the offerings and like what what kinds of games would you love to see? Are they the ones we've seen like Wonder Woman and Beetlejuice and Superman? Anything else that you're just like is just screaming um. to be made in pinball? I think there's a lot of good stuff out there that I would love to do and not just from an art point, but I think would also make a great machine. Um, Beetlejuice, I think was definitely a miss that would, that would have been great. I think just because of that whole crazy world, you could do so much, you know, sandworms eating your pinball and, you know, so many, all those different, you know, places that the characters went uh, and the changes that the characters went through was, would just make for a really deep, exciting game. But whatever. Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I like, I don't know that other people would appreciate. Like, I, I still would love to see a Monster Cereals pinball machine with Frankenberry and Count Chocula and Boo Berry. You know, like a kind of a silly, cartoony, haunted house, you know, kind of a game. Um, that sounds Pee-wee. terrible, i got to be honest. As the marketer. Like, what, what, you're trying to make a game out of cereal box characters? Yeah, well, because they're fun, and and everybody knows them from from a five year old to a fifty five year old. All right, but what they about Masters of the Halloween. Universe? Isn't that better? Yeah, yeah, I like uh, I like Masters of the Universe. I think that'd be great. I think Pee Wee Herman. You know, whether why it's, is there no know, Pee Wee game? I don't know. I I mean, like just thinking, you, know, you you drain the ball. <laughs> well, all the toys, the bite. I mean, but see, yeah. it's also the perfect storyline to get through to you know to the basement of the Alamo to then like this, you know, all the scenes yeah. and and all the toys and the little gizmos in his house and open the garage door and there oh, there's yeah. the bike. Yeah, there's what's that? Uh, I always forget the guy's name, but the like the breakfast machine. That was based on uh, what's that guy's name? They call those machines where the you know yeah the, the Rube, egg drops Rube, Rube Goldberg machine or whatever. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, imagine like the like remember the game Mouse Trap? You know, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah, the you, ball you do can something go. like that fun with a ball bouncing around going through something. Um, yeah, I I can't I could not tell you why these things aren't done. Um, I would say I could tell you why they're not done at Stern, and that's because Pee Wee's not 
manly enough. <laughs> Do you really think that's the case? I mean, is Stern really this like fraternity of like jock mentality I, themes? Well, from from what I see, yeah. From from what I see, you know, things get shot down. Wonder Woman. I mean, come on. All right, there's two things about Wonder Woman. Number one. Like when was the last time there was like a you know female a big female based pinball machine there Elvira. there just wasn't and, and are you well yeah there you go there's that um, and look how popular they are and number two look how many women are coming into pinball so th- that's one aspect number two like if you're a pinball designer you know they'll say well you know I don't want to work on some girly thing you know for a year of my life I'm like who wouldn't want to look at Linda Carter for a year. I've been looking at her for 30 years and I'm still not sick of it. <laughs> well, we, we also but, haven't seen like a team or Magnum PI. I mean, there's also like a bunch of iconic, if that's the case and they want to make something, you know, that appeals to men, Dukes of hazards. I mean, that'd be impossible to make now because of the rebel and, flag car, but, but see, you're going back to the same old stuff, the macho dude stuff. And why does it always have to be that? Well, I mean, I guess my point would be if you walk into a pinball show, what are you seeing there? You're seeing guys in their, 40s and 50s who grew up watching that stuff so i'm not surprised what guy in their 40s and 50s didn't grow up wishing linda carter was their girlfriend no i know that but it's but as a as a pinball machine like in a man cave or in a bar i I can understand why they might want to slant it more towards the action realm not Eh, i uh, for the most part, yeah, I wouldn't say let's you know let's do My Little Pony and then we'll do Wonder Woman, you know, and then we'll do you know whatever, you know that I get. But to say hey, we're coming out with eight games this year, one of them is Wonder Woman. I I don't well, see a problem with that. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I would actually argue that the newer Wonder Woman would be the way to go if you want to expand pinball because the movie was phenomenal. And yeah. it's a it's the same character. Um, the, the license, I, I think the TV show was more fun. Absolutely. You know, it was campy, you know, so, uh, yeah, but you know, it's the same, same character, you know? Right. Um, and there's right. nothing, you know, what's, what's not manly about an ass kicking woman? Like, <laughs> right. like it's still tough. Ronda Rousey, like you're going to take her on. Right. How do you think, how do you think Akira would sell as a pinball machine? The Cure, the band, no, the Akira, Cure? Akira. You know, my my, my oh, character's Akira. animated movie source. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would <laughs> the probably the first pinball they'd take in Japan. Um, I don't, I don't think it would do that good. I think it's a cool theme because you've got the speed. Um, the you, you've got that sort of dystopia world, you know, with the crazy. Um, yeah, the music, you know, just just the whole vibe of that movie uh, is fun i just don't think i think most people would be like what's that you yeah, know they don't I even agree. know how to say it i, I agree you know unfortunately you they, know. They sh- but they should still just make it just for me but um okay Why? so okay so there's a lot of themes that are there so how do you think a company like deep root is going to do and, and and have you ever been in touch with robert as a company like his seems to be working with a lot of artists and designers and he needs to make a, a splash in pinball well, I, yeah, uh, I, I was in touch with Robert. Um, that just didn't work out well. Like the, I think the, the first time I talked to him, uh, he was interested. Yeah, let's talk. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, you know, I'd gone back to Stern, you know, this was, this was throughout, you know, the er- early part of this year where I was going back and forth. 
um, you know, I wanted to leave. The mentor told me otherwise, you know, don't leave. So I told, uh, I, I told him that, uh, I wasn't leaving. And then, um, God, I forgot his name. Who's the guy from Deep Root again? Robert Mueller. <laughs> Robert, right. Yeah. Um, so, and then the second time in June when I was like, that's it, I had enough, and, you know, I'm leaving. Uh, I talked to him again and he's like, sounds great. You know, we'll get you down. Let me talk to my guys. And I think he said Utah. It was a Utah office or something. He's got a Utah and then a, I believe it's a Houston. Okay. Yeah. So he said, let me talk to those guys. We'll set up, you know, we'll fly in. We'll show you the, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. All right. Sounds great. Well, a month went by and I didn't hear from him. So again, I'm like thinking like, okay, well, you know, maybe I better just stay put and wait for that work because, you know, you know, I talked to, to Jack and, you know, he's got his games lined up for the next two years. So there's nothing there. Uh, you know, everybody was interested in working with me. They just didn't seem like they, you know, they were, you know, they're not stern. They don't come out with seven games a year. So, uh, you know, it would be, you know, yeah, great. We'll talk to you in 2000, you know, in 21 when we're ready right. for our next game. Um, Robert was really the only contender, but on the second time after he had taken a month, I just like, all right, screw it. I'll go back to Stern. And then out of nowhere, you know, like six weeks later, he's like, okay, we're, you know, we're ready for that meeting. I'm like, oh, you know, dude, sorry. <laughs> like I went back, like I got tired of waiting. Uh, and right. but, uh, like basically our, my parting words were, you know, well, you know, I'll, I'll see you in the future down the road somewhere. Maybe we can work together. And he said, I doubt that. And I'm like, well, why, why do you say that? And he goes, well, you're too wishy-washy. And I'm like, well, I waited for a month <laughs> for a meeting. Like, I don't know how much longer you expected me to wait. but uh, Right. Well, the clock of pinball, you know, moves fast for some and slow for others, it seems. Um, yeah. Well, do you ever regret that, Chris? Like, it sounds like, I mean, I guess if you could go back and change something, do you, do you wish you just kind of got out earlier? Or what, what, what are your, what, what things do you wish you did differently? looking back on it all uh I'm, you're talking about the past year yeah like the past the past year past year and a half like you've been through a lot i wish i would have left when i first decided i should go um you know the, my, my usually you trust your gut and my gut said you know move on the same because like i said it was not three years of friendly times uh, you know, there was one day that, that Gary called me up screaming at me for like 10 minutes and then just hung up the phone and he was yeah, like, I was like incomprehensible. Like tell me something about making money off of his name and, and I'm like, what the heck? And he's talking about canvases and th like, I, I could not understand what, but it was a strange phone call. It was like, you know, I, I pick up the phone. Hey, Chris, this is George. And, uh, I got Greg with me here and Gary's here. And then Gary just like, you know, give me the microphone. You know? right. <laughs> so I get chewed out for 10 minutes. He hangs up, you know, um, I called George back or George called me back. I don't know. Some, somehow after that phone call, I had a conversation with George. Um, and I'm like, what was that all about? And he was talking about these canvases that I had made. Cause when I went into see the guys at Stern about a job, I would like to bring them gifts, you know? So, I had designed this retro Stern logo, which actually ended up on one of their T-shirts. Um, you know, it would it looked like something that they would have had in the late '60s, early '70s, or something as a logo. Um, and then I had these canvases made, and I came in and it gave them to the guys. And uh, a couple other people that worked there wanted one, so I sent them the art file, and I said, "Well, you know, 
I'm not going to handle this for you and order it and then have it, you know, ship it to you and all that. Just go order it yourself. Here's the art file. Gary's under the impression I was selling these to his, his employees and apparently other people too. I'm like, no, <laughs> they were just gifts. But yeah, like I said, I literally got chewed out for like 10 minutes and, um, you know, sounds like a lot of like, fun being, it, yeah, it was always, it was always something like that. Always me doing something wrong. Um, you know, it, it, it just got to be annoying, you know, it's just like, you know, and, and I never felt, you know, like I was telling somebody the other day, they said, did you see that video about the, uh, the star Wars art? And I said, yeah, do you know that at the four games that I did Stern never called me up and said, Hey, we're making a making a video. Um, we know you live four hours away and it's a lot to ask, but if you're interested, we'd love to have you. Why don't you drive over? Uh, never once. If you'll notice, if you watch any of the making of videos for those four games, I'm not in them. Right. Um, and then when they come out with the Star Wars one, they come out with one with just the artist alone. <laughs> right. Hey, here's, you know, whatever his name is. And he did this. And I'm like, wow, that's a slap in the face. Do you, do you feel that you never were appreciated looking back on it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and that's very important to me. Like, you know, I don't need my ego stroked, but it's very important to me to be valued where I'm working. Because then I know that I'm making a difference, that I'm doing something right. And I never felt that way, which always caused me to second guess my work and to never, uh, you know, take in as much pride in it as, as I should have, you know, and enjoyed the ride the, the, for the past three years. Right. You know, I, it's been fun going to all these expos and all that, but there's always this over, the shadow looming over me of, you know, the company that I work for basically hating me, you right. know. You know when you when you put up your Elvira artwork, it was it was stunning. And and when we first saw the Elvira artwork that they delivered with only one translate, and you know I think I had some commentary on my show that that your Elvira package was far superior. And then I saw Zombietti jump jumped in and like defending Greg's art package. How do you feel about the Elvira art? You know they're charging all this money, one translate. It doesn't look nearly as detailed as we've seen on the monsters. And I know. Elvira is a theme that that you love to draw. So, what are your thoughts on it? Um, my, well, I've, I've got two different thoughts. So, re- <laughs> in case I forget, remind me to tell you about the expo, the Elvira Expo art print at the end of this. Um, as far as the game goes, um, that's Greg's baby. Um, so I'm not surprised that he did the artwork. Um, it, it it falls in style. I think some people may have hoped for like a uh, you know, the, the trilogy to be like, you know, to represent maybe the time periods of which they were made, like rather than have three games that look cohesive together, you know, should we have the Elvira look more like the art does these days? Um, and, and that's a, you know, that's a judgment call really, you know, what do you do? Um, you know, I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, I think Greg does what Greg does on that game. Um, you know, it, it looks like the other games. Um, right. you know, he's, I, I think he's been inspired by the people that he works with. And, you know, he's showed a couple of new tricks here and there on, on this new game. But it is what it is. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the bashing is unfair a little bit. I think, you know, what did you expect? You know, people knew, you know, Greg was doing it. And uh, is he going to just change his style, you know, like out of nowhere and come out with this, you know, super polished, 
you know, airbrushed, you know, look or, you know, whatever, or something more like what I do. Uh, if they were expecting something different, you know, shame on them because, right, right. you know, pe- people, people tend to, you know, they go with what they know. But, um, yeah, the, the Elvira in general, <laughs> when the game came out, like I, I know Elvira's manager, Scott, cause we met two years ago at uh, Texas pinball festival. And he came up to me and said, he really liked my work and hoped we could work together someday. And he ran up actually to, uh, her to Cassandra's room and came down with a hardcover book that was personalized to me from her. I'm like, wow, that was nice. And so we're talking and, uh, parted ways. And, and, uh, so when this opportunity came up, um, I thought, well, you know, I'm always struggling, you know, this time at expo, you know, I'm just going to be a good boy. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know, show up with Batman art, you know, and have Gary, God damn it, blah, blah, you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, I made an expo poster. Uh, I made a, a pinball wizard poster. That's sort of like my take on the classic old iron on t-shirt design. Um, and then I thought, well, here's what I'll do for the first time in my life. I will call up Scott. I will get a license for an art print, even though I'm still going to keep it to 35, which is a relatively no number, low number. Cause you know, it's the 35th anniversary of expo. Um, I'll get a license. We'll make the prints. I'll sign them. Cassandra will sign them. It'll be fun. So we're talking about the details. And I said, uh, I said, I think like 50 bucks, like the print's going to cost 10 bucks for an 18 by 24, which I think is a good size. Not too big, not too small. Um, I think 50 bucks, you know, 10 bucks for printing. We'll take the 40 bucks and we'll split it in half, which is actually a generous royalty to give. Like usually, cause I've been in licensing for a long time and I know that usually a typical percentage for a license is, uh, you know, like around anywhere from seven to 10%, 10% being pretty high for like something like the Beatles. Right. Um, so to give somebody half, you know, 50% of your gross, like, that's pretty good. But, um, He's like, well, the problem is, is Cassandra goes out at $40 for her autograph. So she'd actually be losing money by signing this. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want that. Um, but, you know, I don't know about bumping up the price, especially since it's not like the two of us are going to be sitting next to each other. I'm going to be at my table in another room and they're going to have to go into Stern's Yeah, and people room. get to meet her. That's part of that 40 bucks. Right. Exactly. And let's be honest, my signature is worthless. So <laughs> Yeah. So it actually takes said, away from the value. No, I'm joking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so so when he said, you know, let's just take her out of it, you sell it for 50 and then they bring it over to us and I'm like, I'm not comfortable with selling it for 50 with just my signature on it. So let's go to 40. Um you know, because yeah, Stern Stern made it clear that I was not to be in the same room they were in, <clears throat> so I'm in the other room. So I'm like, okay, well, let's go forty. So it's thirty. Is, is this 10 last year? This la- this coming expo? This this is the expo coming up. Yes. So they won't be they won't be in so, the same room as you. No, no, they have pretty much their own room between them and um, Marco. Yeah, they have a whole they have a whole room to themselves. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, they've they've got that like sort of rectangular room where they they always have like yeah, that, the designers there and the Stern games. Yeah, it'll be much more fun to you know. It, it's like I I would equate it with the Titanic. Do I want to be in first class with the snobs or do I want to be down you know above the engine room with all the fun people? Like, give me the vendor hall any day. So anyway, so I said, yeah, let's go forty bucks. That's thirty dollars to split fifteen and fifteen. He's like, all right, sounds good. Um, send me your final version of the art. I'll pass it by Cassandra. We'll get it approved and we'll move forward. So, okay. 
So I do that, and this was on a Friday. And then the next Monday, I get this really cryptic text from him. Um, and I can't access it because it's on my phone. But um, so to, to kind of paraphrase, it's like another licensee uh, has secured rights for art prints and you know basically therefore me being there with a licensed art print would be a conflict of interest so sorry we can't do business so i wonder like, who that can be yeah well you know i basically found out you know by by playing smart shall we say and pretending i knew what had happened um you know and i'll leave the person that i had a conversation with out you know, out of out of this um but uh basically told them, well, so you squished my license just to, just to squish me out of there. Uh, and my reasoning was told, yes, it's just business. That Jody. So I sounds like something Jody would do. No, it's it's not Jody. All right. Well, Jody, actually, I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was who, who (laughs) did that. What had basically happened was, you know, this guy knew that I worked for Stern. He didn't know I left. So it was brought up in, you know, casual conversation between Friday and Monday, that I was doing this and they went, Oh no, 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 no. I don't know who it was. What I'm not telling you is who I had the conversation with afterwards. I don't know actually who squished it. What do you, what stuff are you bringing to expo that people can expect? Uh, that people can expect. Well, I'm bringing, um, uh, my pinball wizard poster. Okay. I'm bringing, um, and again, that's, I don't know if anybody remembers, there was a classic iron on from the seventies. Um, that I remember it was like, it was like this stupid shirt that I always wanted, but I never found. I always saw it in comic books, you know, and stuff. But, um, anyway, so I did like sort of my take on that. Um, and it's kind of a colorful, almost like looks like a blacklight poster, but not quite. Uh, and I will also have uh, a sort of a commemorative poster of the artwork that I did for the expo, um, which is the, the rocket dude, um, and I'll have some random other stuff that I've done uh, that's not pinball related. Um, I will have, actually, nobody knows this, so breaking news on Canada's pinball podcast. But are we going to air this? Uh, bef- we're not going to air this before Expo, though, are we? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to make that clear. Oh, yeah, so this will <laughs> imagine if you know could go back in time right. and sit on my lap in have- my one bedroom before Expo. But uh, anyway. <laughs> They'll know about it, so you can talk about it. That's what I'm saying. They'll know about it. Yeah. yeah. I Let's put it this way. I will have had, and probably sold out quickly, five translites of the Wonder Woman artwork. Oh. So, yeah. Um, I th- I'll have some other translites, too, of um, Beetlejuice. I think those games would be hard to get the licensing, or could could Mr. Kamiko pull No. Out? No, the licensing is easy. If if Joe couldn't get the license, he wouldn't have bothered having me go through all that work. So the that so the 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 anger is real of the fans of these franchises when they appear at Stern's door with pitchforks because it really was just Stern's lack of desire to make them. Exactly. Yeah, they're totally doable and they're they're easy licenses to get. Okay, which is funny now because moving. You do realize what you've done though, Chris, because moving forward, any theme that seems inferior to those themes, people are going to be like. Why? Why did you deprive us of like what we could have had? Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice uh, is like relevant. There's a Broadway show, like it's Michael Keaton. Like, oh, yeah. well, I think some, you know, another. I'll, I'll say another company has expressed an interest in picking up Beetlejuice. Um, 
you know, I, I don't want to say they're dead. They're, they're dead with Stern. You know, Stern's not going to do them. Um, and actually, the, the people who are interested in doing Beetlejuice uh, want my artwork. You know, they don't just want to like, hey, I want to do that game. Well, you but in, and you also come with. So here's a question I have, like, would Joe help another company get a lot? Because Kapow is independent from them. Yeah, but Joe wouldn't need to. Yeah, if you wanted something like Harry Potter or some huge, massive thing, you might want to call in, you know, support like Joe. Um, right. Let me, Chris, let me but, ask you a question because uh, I know we're getting yeah. near to the, the, the end because we, we're a little bit over an hour. Is Jaws ever happening? I mean, what were the, what were the rumors? Jaws? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Jaws. Jaws, you can't get, basically what you get with Jaws is you get the shark and you get the logo. The music? I, it's even it's even questionable. I don't know. It's questionable that you get the music. I don't know. I know they got John Williams' music for Star Wars, and he did he did Jaws, but it all depends on on you know how the deal is. So it's, no it's, film it's, no film assets from Spielberg. You'd be completely making like a Jurassic Park original Jaws adventure. Uh, that I don't know. I, I know you couldn't use like actors. Well. Well then, how do you like? You know, then what else? If if well, I mean, can you, they can they show footage from the movie of the of the shark cruising through the water and all that? I don't know. Uh, so it'd be like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, coded where everything but the actors. Yeah, yeah. Because I I actually I did T-shirt designs. The whole movie's the actors' lines. Exactly. Well, you know, it's like I, that's why I told somebody. I said, you know, the Jaws isn't about a shark. A shark is just the threat. The movie is about three totally different people who have to come together and solve a problem and problems that they come across on the way to do that. You know, the shark is just the bad guy, you know, so, you know, Batman's about Batman, about a regular guy becoming a superhero. Um, Joker's just the bad guy that makes him have to do that. Right. So, you know, um, so to have a shark, uh, a Jaws pinball machine, which just a bit, you know, uh, who did I tell? Somebody at Stern, I said, like, it would be worthless to do Jaws because, you you know, a shark is just a big gray tube. Like, how many different ways can you draw that? I feel like Stern should just, like, recreate the movie scenes, like Turkish Star Wars, where Gary is like Richard Dreyfus, and he's like, we're going to need a lower bomb. And he just keeps saying that over and over. See, we, we have to make Gary Quint, so he eventually gets eaten by the shark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, look, it, you know, Chris, I think everyone's excited to see you get back into the game. I mean, everyone would agree that your games are beautiful. Um, I do appreciate that you're, you're passionate, you're outspoken, because um, I think people relate to that, and, and I think people appreciate yeah. that. And I know sometimes well, it might feel like it gets you into trouble, but... Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, I've always said there's nothing worse than being invisible, I like to, you know, I come from the days when, you know, there was no internet, um, you know, like kiss could get away with wearing makeup and nobody knew who they really were. They couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get away with that these days. Um, you know, so that mystique of, of like having something untouchable and how frustrating it was. And, you know, not that I'm a big deal, but you know, in the pinball industry, it's like, I, I like to meet people. I like to talk about what I do. I, I like to be, uh, visible because that makes it more fun and more entertaining for me to, to be a part of, you know, right, that's why right. I wanted to do a podcast. Uh, that's why I'm, you know, always a guest at a show because I get a chance to, to, you know, hang out with these people and they're, you know, they're great people and it's big fun. So to sit back 
and, you know, put a gag around my mouth and, and just say, I'm just going to do my work and I'm going to go home. That's, that's not fun to me. Right. That's, you know, it, it has to be because it's side work. Pinball art is not my main job. I work for Zynga and I do, you know, I'm a senior character designer and that's what I do. So if, if, if I'm doing, if I'm spending my spare time doing this, it has to be worthwhile. Absolutely. And for those who want to see Chris's Willy Wonka, right? You did the Zynga game. Yeah, it's called World of Candy. Super cool. So let me let me ask you a question because I have yeah. to be honest here. As the yeah. world's maybe debatable number one pinball podcast, um, your pinball podcast <laughs> blows mine away with production value. Are we going to see you back in <laughs> the podcast saddle to give us more of you and Barlow going around the play field? <laughs> um. I'm going to say yes. I'm not going to say when, and I'm also going to say it's not going to be me alone. Um, the, what happened with the old podcast with the super duper extra awesome pinball show with you and Ed, uh, Ed was Wright? that Ed Vanderveen? Yeah. Ed, Ed Vanderveen from Texas pinball festival. He ended up running for mayor and I told Ed and you know, and he's not an idiot. So he knew, you know, I'm like, you can't, we can't do some podcast where we're swearing and talking about all this goofy shit and you're running for mayor. You know, so we just put it on the back burner and, uh, you know, waited for that to float by. But unfortunately, he didn't win. But fortunately, the podcast now can live on. Yeah. So we just have to figure out. And another problem was, you know, working with Stern, uh, you know, Stern's policy is sit down and shut up. And, you know, so that doesn't exactly bode well for a podcast. So that kind of. It frustrated me to like, you know, what's our angle going to be? How can we pull this off, make it entertaining, make it truthful, but at the same time, you know, protect stern secrets and, you know, not say anything they don't want me to say and, you know, be handcuffed and like that, you know, now I'm, now that's not the case. So, I mean, that show's called Stern's Insider Pinball Podcast. Yeah. You know, when a game comes out, I'd like to be able to say what I think about it without having, you know, if it's a stern game, you know, well, you can't say it sucks. You know, right, not that right. it automatically does. I'm just saying I'd, I'd like the ability to say, hey, this thing stinks or whatever. Um, yeah, or just give a balanced a, a, you know, point of view on yeah. a game, which is not it. There's no perfect game. Yeah, the only thing I can never do is give an opinion on anybody's art because then I look like a dick. You know, if I say it sucks, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, you didn't, want right. you didn't get the job, so you're pissed. Sour grapes, boo-hoo. So, yeah, so that's uh, – <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to the future. I, I just want to, you know, I want to wrap up, you know, the whole story with Stern by saying that uh, uh, I'm really proud of the work that I did. Um, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't have anything against uh, Stern. You know, there everyone has their own reasons for doing what they do. Uh, why they kept me at arm's length, I don't know. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I would not be here talking to you if it wasn't for them. You know, pulling me in. Uh, to this world. And so I'm happy to be here and I, and I have them to thank for that. Right. And, uh, you know, so just moving on, looking forward to bigger and better things. And, uh, yeah, I don't plan on leaving anytime soon because I enjoy it too much. Right. So, well, well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. I think I speak on behalf of myself and I know a lot of the people who listen that I think your artwork is phenomenal and you've contributed a great 
deal to this industry, this hobby, um, both on a professional and a personal level. Uh, and you know, like I think the experiences you've had at Stern, it's like in any big company, and I work in a big company, you've got people that are cool, people that are jerks, and there's a constant tug of war to just get something good out the door. Uh, and I think you got some of the best pinball artwork and art packages out the door for them. And some of the games have turned out to be really good. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are $25,000 for a diamond edition, but still good games. But we look forward to seeing more of you in this hobby. And and I look forward to seeing what you reveal at Expo. By the time people listen to this podcast, I will have seen it. But I'm going to be in Japan and you're going to be, uh, you know, signing t-shirts recovering and ready from for the Expo. next stuff yeah so chris thank Kiss you so babies. much for coming on i really appreciate it and we'll do this again soon if ed can't get his act together anytime you want to come on and, and talk pinball you know that this is an outlet for you yeah we're gonna steal that twippy from you next year buddy oh, everybody's gonna you may it. be a lock this year i'm gonna stop i need to stop talking about it the more i talk about it i think the more votes i lose so i think i should just keep doing my shtick and 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 it, it might work yeah. out again I came up with a little campaign for the Munsters because people have forgotten it by now, you know, and you know, Hey, I'll be honest. I want a Twippy too. So I came up with this little campaign and I used the Twippy logo for the new awards, um, that nobody has seen yet. And I kept on telling Jeff, I'm like, you gotta reveal that logo because I want to put this little, you know, visual campaign out for the Munsters for a Twippy. And he's like, what's your hurry? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's mid October. And I'm like, yeah, but voting ends, you know, on New Year's Day. And he goes, no, voting begins on New Year's Day. I'm like, oh, that's right. No, okay. It's, does it so, really? Yeah, oh, but- it's so it's it's so <laughs> ill timed because, I mean, I get it, but it's tough because you you have to include. Yeah. Well, this is what this is the thing is you can't. Let's say that he started opening he opened voting right now. It would be unfair to any game that might come out in another month and a half because it didn't have as much time to get as many votes. So he has to allow the year to expire for what games came out. You know, there's your there's your lineup, and let the voting begin. Unfortunately, I think it would you know the awards would be a lot sooner if if Texas wasn't so far out into March. I think the voting should end December 31st because like what really comes out in the last two weeks in December and pinball, nothing. Um, but I love it when the, the voting does end and all the votes are sealed. It's, it's like what, like mid January or end of January. You then have February. You can almost yeah. just mail it in then. And for, from a podcasting standpoint, I could just become the biggest like idiot, like just ranting and raving, but nothing you could do. People yeah. votes, are, votes are tallied. <laughs> But see, here's what we do, though, is, you know, we figured it out. Like, if you hear about some, you know, st- stories that uh, movie stars tell about going to awards, and, they'll, you know, the, the awards company will call them up, you know, are you coming out to our show? Well, I don't know. Well, we really think you should come, you know, which is... I, the, I have to be honest, Zach and Jeff, I tried every single way to, like, get a little, you know, to figure out which way it was leaning, and they, they wouldn't yeah. tell me anything. I was I was nervous when I was in there, and then you know, hope you know, thank thankfully, we got it. <laughs> anyway, Chris, I just I just yeah, I recently watched that the, the awards, the booing, and was super impressed by your composure, and super unimpressed at how much I failed at delivering that trophy stomp joke. <laughs> right, I mean, nothing's as bad as the. Uh, the new pinball cribs trying to act all gangster walking us through the house. I think that now takes the cake for humor that failed to, to connect. Zach's going to kill me. Wow. 
Yeah, I'm not saying anything. Zach's my buddy. I'm not I saying know. Anything. He's going to kill me. I'll just say this. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Um, by the time people hear this, you will have enjoyed Expo. And I think people are really going to enjoy this interview. So uh, hopefully we'll chat soon. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right. All right. <laughs>